Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks, the podcast that celebrates the people and places that make the Outer Banks special. In this podcast, episode 29, I had the opportunity to sit down with Noah Snyder. Noah is a local surfer who surfed pro for many years. He talks about what it's like being a professional surfer from the Outer Banks, what surfing is like on the Outer Banks, and a bunch of other stuff that he has going on in his life. I think you'll enjoy this talk with Noah, so sit back and relax. Thanks for coming out here, Noah. Did you grow up on the Outer Banks? Um, for the most part, yeah. Uh, when I was six months old, my dad came down here and fell in love with the ocean and never went back home. And yeah. home was Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Um, so he kind of grew up in that Annapolis area and... Um, his mom was in the boating world and all that kind of stuff, and they did a lot of different things. But surfing is what he fell in love with, and when he came here, he was like, I want to come here and stay. So him and my mom moved here when I was six months old, and wow. I've been here ever since. Yeah. Was he a big surfer? Yeah. Um, he, I think, started surfing when he was a teenager, and still doing it today. Great. How old is he? He's in his 60s. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, he's still powered out. He's, he's approaching 70. Wow. So that's amazing. Is it long border or short border? Uh, he's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think nowadays he prefers a little bit more of the, the short, the soft top long board. Is that right? Um, surfing has a way of like, you become friends with your board sometimes when you don't want to, because <laughs> the waves right. are always coming together and breaking and sometimes your board will slip off and hitching the head. I mean, I've had stitches, I've had right. bumps and bruises and, and I think I follow in my dad's footsteps. <laughs> and it seemed like about every two years I was prone for some type of injury or something. Is that right? Um, but it's a sport, like once you fall in love with it, it's like, it doesn't matter. You just want to do it. Right. And do you remember starting surfing? I do. I remember, um, going with my dad to the beach, um, Pretty much every Sunday, he was in like these volleyball tournaments that would happen down in Nags Head Pier um, back in the days when the Atlantis was here. I yep. don't know if you remember that. I vaguely remember it. Um, and so he would go to the beach, he would drag me along, and I'd sit there. And eventually, I started just watching more and more of the ocean, and I was like, okay. And then he would always take a surfboard, and it was just one day, like, paddled out and just happened to turn around when this wave was coming, and it was like the stars aligned. and. I got to my feet and rode this wave. It wasn't like a very good wave, but it was when I got off the wave, I was like, felt something. And I was like, I want to do more of this. Right. And so that was like the catalyst. Right. I, can I say that I had a similar uh, experience, but I think I was about 45 years old. <laughs> I'd been playing around with a paddleboard and it said, let's, let's take this thing out in the ocean and, you know, see what, you know, see if I can catch a wave. And yeah. Not a big wave, but the first wave, and that was that was yeah. That was it's an addictive right. kind of thing. Um, and so you were surfing for several years there, uh, probably. I'm, I'm imagining, and you decided to compete. How was that transition from just going to a local kid to competing? It's a big transition because you know when you when I first got into it, it was just primary for the love. Yeah, you, know, you just love to do it. You want to be out there. And then all of a sudden you have to conform to this format, you know, and it's like, and so what you would normally do out on a day where you're just kind of cruising around, surfing, having fun, um, it doesn't necessarily work in a contest, especially if you want to be successful. Um, so that was a little bit of a, 
I don't want to say brutal transition for me, but I had to like understand that I couldn't just like take off on a wave, go all the way down the line and do one turn at the end. I had to actually learn how to do multiple turns right. through the wave, make the connections to get the best score possible to actually be successful in a contest. And so my first couple contests, it was like rearranging kind of like the way I always like had approached my surfing. Right. And I had a couple people share some good stuff with me and they're like, Hey, you know, if you, you've got the talent, but you've got to like do things just a little bit differently. So it was just making those adjustments. Right. I, I've, I've done a lot of sports, but I've never done something that's subjectively graded. You know, it's, <laughs> it's either a score or a clock and that's it. Yeah. You know, how, how hard is that? Um, it's hard because when surfing, it's, there's so many different factors. Like, and when I first got into it, they were judging you on the length of ride, how many maneuvers you did on the ride, and then also the size of the wave. Mm. So there's like three different factors there. So if you caught a smaller wave and you did a really killer turn, you wouldn't get as good of a score as if you caught, you know, a bigger wave and, you know, rode it further and all that kind of stuff. So, but nowadays, like fast forwarding to today's competition, they're at a place now where you can take off on a mediocre wave and do one big turn and get a way better score than somebody that catches a really big wave and just kind of milks it all the way through and doesn't doesn't really um, go for the criti criticalness of the maneuver. You know, they judge you on like how heavy it is, how what kind of body position you put yourself in. Um, so it's much more, I feel like, technical judging today than back in the day. And and judges, uh, I'm sure judges have to come in here with some kind of biases, you know, like I like this guy or I don't like this guy and, or, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's things that are pleasing to the eye, sure. you know, and sometimes you can watch surf for surf and like Tom Kern was a great example, just master of the style, like had the best style. Everybody loved watching him and his turns are so smooth. And then you had other surfers that would come in that would be a little more raw and aggressive and, right. Um, they were doing great turns, but it just wasn't totally eye appealing. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes those surfers would not get the nod simply because it didn't look as good as, you know, say Tom Kern's wave. Right. Um, so politicalness, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that goes across the board almost in every sport. Right. Yeah. There's something there. So in the beginning, uh, did you have a, a mentor, a coach, uh, an influence, something that just said, Hey, you really should just do this and go pro. Yeah. Um, from a local standpoint, um, my dad always encouraged me to go surf. Um, once I got into surfing and I started making kind of a competitive name and getting some sponsors, um, I had the help from like Barry Price, um, Jesse Fernandez, um, some guys down in Florida, Matt Keckley, a couple of those guys down there. I really kind of began to pour into me as they saw like my progression. Um, and then guys like up north, like Les Lane and a few different guys, they were like the heavy guys, the guys that charged like the big waves and they would come down because the Outer Banks gets big surf. Yeah. And they were kind of like the regulators. It was like <laughs> trying to model what they were doing because, you know, Wes was on tour. Um, he was in the top 16 for a while. So he was kind of like the guy that everybody was like, if you want to do this, it's like, following his footsteps yeah and um so when you went pro what, what you know you're 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 on tour i'm imagining you're traveling all around the world pretty much 
Yeah, I started um, on the East Coast doing um, an East Coast tour called ASP East, and it was basically a series of contests that went from Florida all the way up to New York, and it was about 10 or 12 contests, and um, to do well in it, you really needed to go do every contest, because in every contest you gained points, and then at the end right. of the year they would crown the leader, and you know, so if you had a bad run in a couple contests, you still had a chance to do well if you did as many contests as you could so that was where I started um, and then it branched into where like I ended up doing some contests in Hawaii and different places but um, that was where I kind of cut my teeth is that right and and when you go when you started going out on these uh, tours do, do we call it a tour or do we call yeah it you can call it that <laughs> we, we, we tour, are now tour schedule um, gotcha yeah um, what what do or what did the other surfers think of a guy from the Outer Banks? It was like, where's Outer Banks? Or hey, we love the Outer Banks. Or you know, what? Um, on the East Coast, it was pretty like the Outer Banks is a pretty known staple. Like that's where you go to get crazy good surf. Um, once I ventured out to the West Coast, I did run into some folks that were like, "Where's the Outer Banks? Yeah. Is there surf there?" You know, so you kind of got that. Um, but for the most part, I mean. Nowadays, the Outer Banks is pretty well known across the world. Is that right? Yeah. Good to hear. Um, there was a, this goes back a few years, but is there still a video of you surfing a 20-foot wave out here on the Outer Banks? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. The big storm wave. Um, and it was just a couple of you guys towed out. I think. No, you're talking about, I remember they were talking about paddling out next to Avalon Pier maybe. Because okay. there was a rip next to Avalon Pier. You paddled yeah. out and surfed. And it's, there was a video, and I remember seeing it thinking, oh, look at that wave. Holy crap, that's a dot in front of that wave. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, I think, a few different videos that are out there and some photos and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, the Outer Banks, it can get really big, and it can be really humbling. There's days I've tried to paddle out and just been completely denied and <laughs> right. just felt like, you know, the world was against me. I'm like, gosh, you know, and wanting to get out there then that's the advantage of those piers is they create this like channel next to the pilings and the current is rushing out. So if you cannot get too close to the piers, um, sometimes it can pull you right out. And if you time it right, um, you can get out fairly easily, but if you time it wrong, don't be, don't be next to that pier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You might be pulling splinters out of your forehead or something. Um, the local, do the local, do the young kids on this beach know who you are? Um, I think probably some do, some don't. Um, I know Ezra, my son, he, in school, like he was kind of like, look, like there was a lot of pressure on him because mm-hmm. of who I was. Right. And so he was like, Dad, I don't like this pressure. And I'm like, sorry. I was like, <laughs> can't do anything about it. But um, so, yeah, so I think there's a generation that um, has heard about us. You know, um, I know Nick McLean did the documentary Noah's Ark. Yeah. Um, which is the faith-based film uh, on my life and my friends' lives. And basically, like, it just tells a complete story, but it takes you around the world surfing and all this kind of stuff. And um, and that's been viewed, gosh, in, like, 11 different countries. It's in, like, 11 different countries as far as the language goes. Right. Um, it's been all across the world. So wow. it's a pretty pretty broadcasted film. Could, um, could you, since we're, we're on that subject, could you just explain it just a little bit more what... Uh, when did it come out? What's it called? And um, what, what's the basic line of the story? 
Yeah, so Noah's Ark um, is a look into my life and my friends' lives, and um, basically it was just a testimony of what God, how God radically changed us, and we all love surfing, so that was like the commonality between all of us. Yeah, it's a full documentary, so it kind of goes into like um, my life being born, because it's a miracle that I'm even here. I was born premature. I weighed three pounds, four ounces when I was born. And there were some other complications that took place. So really, I shouldn't even be here today. Um, but through all that, um, fell in love with surfing, and it kind of goes into that. And then it goes into the stages in life where you're just unsure and you're trying to figure things out. Right. And there was that moment for each one of us in the video where we were like, you're kind of going like, what is life? What's life about? Yeah. And for me, um, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 21, which was completely like against the grain of like what I thought you should do. Right. I thought like going to church and serving God was something that you would do. Like I thought it was an old person sport, <laughs> literally. Like, and that's just the mentality that I had. And then I got saved at 21, and I'm like, wait a second, God, it wasn't supposed to work like this. Um, but it was just such a radical time in my life and a transformation that took place in my heart, where I was like, wow, this is this is pretty crazy. Um, and so I began to share that with my friends, and there was also a group of us that got saved on the same day. So it was just a radical experience that we all had. Um, and it was nothing super crazy. It was just, we made peace with God. Right. And it was like, whoa, like I've never felt this before. And so the documentary goes in and explains a little bit more of what each of us was going through and where we were at. Um, and then that we had each other to kind of walk this walk out because it's not an easy walk. Um, but the documentary, that's kind of the, the guidelines of it, or the baseline of sure. it. Um, and then it goes into just you know, surfing and fun and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty cool. It's still like to this day, I still have people come up and go, man, I saw your movie. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, so it's an inspiration. It's definitely cool. Where can somebody find that now if they're looking for um, it? You can actually go online and you can watch it on YouTube. Um, I think you can still get some copies at walkingonwater.org. Um, but I don't really think there's anywhere locally that carries them here at the moment. Right. So, about at least 10 years, right? Since yeah, came it, came, it came out in 2004. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've seen it. I should probably watch it again. It's really good. But it, I, did, I did see it when it came out, and uh, it's a very good documentary. Um, very, very cool. Very well made, too. Yeah, Nick did a, um, a great job just... Um, capturing it like the way that it, the way that it rolled out you know yeah. there's nothing that was fake it's super authentic um the guy's testimonies are just from the heart so it was uh that's kind of was what i told him i was like i just want to try to share that with other people because yeah. it was such a a time period in my life like i said where like i didn't expect it i, I wasn't planning on it it just I rolled into church and it was like, I heard a message and I was like, wow, I've never really heard it like that. And then it was just simple as like, hey, if you want to accept Jesus in your heart, come forward and let us pray with you. And I did. And everything in me broke, you know, right. from my childhood experiences to life, uh, throwing curveballs at you to you name it. You know, we all have hurts coming up through life and they kind of shape us and guide us through life. And you know, and it, it was the first moment where I really felt a true peace. 
right and for me that was that was just it was just life-changing like I remember walking out of church that day and we all kind of looked at each other and we were like we just erupted like a, it was like a football game we were giving each other high fives <laughs> like, wow, like, what was that like did, did you what did you feel what did you experience and um, it was just so real right so it's, it's great you were able to share with friends like that. That's that's pretty amazing. They're very special. Yeah, because the next part was walking it out, which is like the hard part. <laughs> you know, we had I had people coming up to me going like, "Oh, you're not going to make it through summer. Oh, it's just a fad. It's just this. It's just that. You know, you guys are just on this emotional high or whatever." And I was just like, in my heart, I was going like, "It's not that. Right. It's much more than that." Right. And, um, and so there was the part of me too that like being a competitor, I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted to be like, no, this is, this is real, you know? Right. So that was kind of my mindset. I was like, well, I'm going to walk this thing out the best that I can. I know I'm not going to be perfect, um, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Right. And are you, are you active in the Ark Church? So um, by the way, it's called Noah's Ark, but it happened at the Ark Church, right? Yeah. So and, and so there is a, a church, and it used to look like an Ark until it burned down, and uh, but now it's 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 still up and running down a milepost thirteen-ish. Uh, yeah. Twelve-ish. I mean, yeah, twelve-ish. And um, right on the bypass, a great church. I, I, the pastor I see at the basketball games, great guy. Mm -hmm. um, so are you are you active in that church, or what do you got going on? Not in that church. I'm actively at Liberty Fish, Liberty Christian Fellowship. Right. Um, uh, Collinson Road. Yeah, another great church. And um, yeah, it's just been our home for a while. And it, they had a good, really, really good kids program. Um, so right. that's kind of what drew us to that church. And uh, and we got plugged in there. And my wife sang on worship team for a while. And um, I was plugged in for a little bit, drumming and doing some different things. But uh, it's just been a good family church. They just kind of accept you for who you are. Cool. And they walk with you. And they try to help you out in any way they can. So. Cool. Excellent. Good to hear. Um, bringing it back to surfing a little bit. Uh, what would you tell a local kid who comes up to you and says, Hey, I, I want to go. I want to surf pro. Uh, well, number one, um, you got to be really committed, um, really disciplined. And nowadays, back in the day, you really didn't have to have, um, fitness in your ball court but if you want to do it to the level that these guys are doing today you've got to have training in your backcourt yeah. um, they're pushing the limits so hard these days that if your body is not strong and in tune something's going to give um, and that's kind of what pushed me into the realm of fitness was mm -hmm. I got hurt early on in my surf career and then I was forced to rehab and get strong and then I met Gene Flynn who's a chiropractor here um, who also became my, my trainer, uh, which he made me do like tons of pull-ups, which I hated. <laughs> but um, the time period that I had to take to get back in the water, um, Gene put me through a program that was just, um, it wasn't easy. And I really had to like put in the time and he changed my nutrition and my just everything. But when I got back in the water, I saw such a difference where yeah. I was like, this this works right and can't and, deny it and why did I not get a hold of this sooner <laughs> right so I would to any young kid I would say like those are the things you got to begin to think about and if you're willing to do those things then you'll make it if you're not willing to do those things I wouldn't go there yeah yeah going back to your youth did did, did a family member travel with you when you competed all over the east coast 
No, um, I went on like an early surf trip with my my dad, but once I got into the surfing thing, it was pretty much like I was kind of like on my own. Um, All right. And then as some of the other guys started coming up, like Jesse Hines and Matt Beecham and these guys, um, they began traveling with me at different times on different trips. Um, so that was kind of nice to have that familiarity of him. Sure. Um, but for a little while there, it was like, I was kind of like on my own. That's crazy. Um, so, but, you know, surfing, like anything, it's, you kind of becoming involved in this family and this group and you make friends in Florida, you make friends in Hawaii, California, um, across the world, Portugal. Um, so even though you were heading out alone, you knew that once you got to your destination that you'd be meeting up with some of these folks and it'd be like, you know, catching up with people that you hadn't seen in like years sometimes. So yeah. it was really cool. That's awesome. What, how would you describe the current surf culture on the Outer Banks? Um, it's definitely like different. Um, I'd say it's a little more, and I don't really say this like to be negative or in a bad way. It's, it's maybe a little more lackadaisical, um, in some ways. And maybe there's a little bit of, um, where you don't have to pay your dues. Like back in the day, like when we were growing up, like we had to pay our dues. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if I was a, a young kid and I was paddling out to a spot, I couldn't just paddle out to the main peak and like take over, you know, mm -hmm. like there was a group of guys that you had to respect and you had yeah. to like, you know, not necessarily like bow down to, but <laughs> if they wanted the wave, they were going to take it. Yeah. And nowadays, some of what I've seen in the lineup here, some of the kids are a little bit disrespectful. Um, just barge right in. They just barge right in, think that they can catch a hundred waves and not really pay attention to the other surfers that have been out there much longer and have kind of paid their dues. Mm -hmm. um, so if I had to kind of like narrow it down, that's kind of the, kind of what I see. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that all the kids are bad or anything like right. that, but it's just, there are some kids that paddle out and, you know, it's just surfing. It's a very selfish sport in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it can also be a very, um, Communitive sport too, yeah. where it's not just all about you. I and mean, there's days I paddle out and I'll see a good wave coming in, and I know that I could get it, but I also know this person hasn't caught in the wave in a while. So I'm like, well, hey man, why don't you go? And they're just like, really? I'm like, yeah, go. You know? Right. And it's just not the mentality that every surfer has. I mean, a lot of times it's like, I want to get mine and get out. You know? Right. When where sometimes it's a place where there's a lot of people that are paddling out and they've had a really bad day and surfing is like they're out they're like I just want to go out and escape from the problems of the world and all that kind of stuff and you know and then they get bombarded by you know <laughs> right so it's you know I'm back in the day when I was younger I was probably I probably did some of the same stuff as some of the youth today you know but now that I'm older I'm seeing things in a little bit different light and I can kind of like appreciate things for really what they are. And, you know, and, and kind of when I paddle out in the lineup, I see more than just waves. Right. And, and when going back to when you were younger, were, were you and your buddies just like really pushing the limits, you know, every day against each other or was there a little friendly competition amongst you guys? Yeah, especially when it came to like ESA contests and all that kind of stuff. There was some rivalries that took place and um, 
especially the probably the biggest one in my amateur career coming up was Wilbon versus WRV. It was like is that right? Those were the two teams, and it was like at every contest. They were on one side of the beach, we were on the other. <laughs> They'd be looking at each other. There'd be like, you know, maybe a little bit of trash talking going on. But when you got in the water, it was like you wanted to beat those guys. Yeah. You know, so. And they wanted to beat you. <laughs> I'm not deep into the surfing culture, but I hear of places that are very territorial mm-hmm. with the surf. You know, and I don't get out a ton on the Outer Banks, but I've never really felt anybody get territorial because there's so much space. I mean, what do you, what do you, what's your opinion about surfing territories on the Outer Banks? They're there, um, more so back in the day, but you know, when you have places that have jetties and all that kind of stuff, it's just creates this, this boundary that, you know, when people start stacking up next to it, it can get a little like, right. You know, like a, like a pecking order needs to be determined. Um, but for the most part, most of the Outer Banks is pretty wide open. So it's kind of like you can go surf with nobody yeah. or you can go surf with like a handful of friends or you can go surf where it's really crowded. Um, and I think part of that just social media has kind of, you know, kicked things into gear, but, um, Oh really? Yeah. Like you hear some chirping on social media? Um, well not so much chirping, but more like you just know like, Oh, that's that spot. Cause you can kind of tell, uh, right, right, right. you know? And, um, you know, when people post stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Esterns or that's Avon or right. that's the Lighthouse or, you know, Rodanthe. So um, I experienced a little bit of stuff back in the day um, when I was coming up, you know, locally here. Um, but it wasn't like super horrible. Like there's some places that, like in California, like if you go surf, they're throwing rocks at you. <laughs> Right. You know, from I've clubs. heard Hawaii. They'll, they'll throw down. I mean, uh, I mean, Hawaii, I saw stuff that, yeah, it's, you don't want to make a wrong move in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't have the experience you have, but I, I love surfing on the Outer Banks. Like you said, you could, you could find, it may, may not be the best break, but you can go find a break all by your lonesome and just have a good old time. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, uh, and, I understand if you don't want to give up specific spots, but areas, can you tell me some of your favorite areas to surf on the Outer Banks? Um, pretty much anywhere from like, you know, when it's good, I mean, it can be really good in town right out front here, just if you find the right sandbar. Right. Um, and then of course, anywhere down south, you know, Rodanthe, P Island, you know, Avon, I mean, I've even caught good waves in Frisco. It's been very rare. <laughs> Frisco is like flip of the coin. Um, I've probably been burned more times going to Frisco right? than... So, so try to stay north of Hatteras uh, Lighthouse if try you can. Try to, but, you know, Frisco has its days, like anywhere. Um, it's just, they're few and far between, but... I've never seen good surf in Ocracoke. Does it never... <laughs> it, does it never break in Ocracoke? It does, and they actually have some good sandbars and the inlet down there. On the right swell, the right wind, it can all take right? shape and do it. So it's just a matter of timing. Excellent. Good to know. Uh, what is the perfect surf day for you? Um, <clears throat> probably a handful of your friends. Um, top to bottom barrels, which means the wave is pretty round and six to eight foot. Mm. And just uh, clean offshore. And it could be over reef, over sand. Um, as long as it's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Do you, do you have a favorite water temperature? Or you, are, you, are you so experienced you could care less about the temperature? No, I mean, now that I've gotten older, water temperature is definitely <laughs> more of an issue. But, um, you know, I like, like a thin wetsuit, you know, maybe like a two mil wetsuit, short arm. Um, and naturally, like everybody's going to love surfing in trunks. But sure. anywhere from like trunks to like a thin short gotcha. arm wetsuit okay is, is pretty ideal. Right. Are you still doing any hardcore winter surfing at all? Yeah, it was actually last week. So um, the waves came up. There were good waves, like I think two days back to back. And uh, the water temp was about 40, I think 48. Right. And yeah, wearing the hooded wetsuit, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I am going out with no gloves right now, which is kind of freaking some people out. But I've been doing some of that cold water therapy stuff. And it's helping mentally, you know, with what your body can take and right. not take. So, um, but yeah, just last week I was in there and nice. it, was, it was a good swell here on the outer banks. Have you broken down and gotten the electric wetsuit yet? I, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll be the official signal you're old. <laughs> um, so, uh, can you give any advice to experienced surfers coming to the outer banks for the first time? Um, for experienced surfers, Really, just um, don't get stuck um, in the sand down south. <laughs> <laughs> driving on the beach. <laughs> well, driving on the beach. Was, and, and there's this big stretch of road, so you know, you're heading down, and at any point in time, you can pull over. Oh, right. You see it happen all the time. guys that don't have full-wheel drive pull over, and then they get all their wheels off the road, and then they're stuck, and their whole car is completely like right. bottomed out. So don't get stuck. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's... It's pretty laid back back here. It's not like Hawaii where Hawaii, when I would go there every year, it was like you just had to like pay your dues and respect the locals. And mm -hmm. you couldn't just paddle out on a good day at Pipe and get bombs. Maybe if you're Kelly Slater, but ultimately like there's just a severe pecking order. Um, so you had to show a lot of respect. And ultimately you should really show respect anywhere you go. Sure. Um, so don't get stuck, number one, show respect, um, and then just make sure, you know, you don't leave trash or anything on the beach. You know, that's, Good one, yeah. those, are, those are the main things. Yeah. Uh, is it beneficial or helpful for somebody to pop into a surf shop and talk to the local guys in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always um, a good thing as far as like, you know, where's the local break at? Um, is there anything I should be aware of, you know? And, you know, some of those guys will have some added information that could, that could be helpful. Sure. So, so let's, uh, let's switch gears to your artwork. Tell me, tell me about your art that you're doing. Um, what kind of mediums you're using? What kind of subjects you're, you're painting? Mm -hmm. um, so my art is quite different from most people's. Um, <clears throat> number one, it involves electricity, um, which is pretty <laughs> hair-raising and you got to be like extremely careful. Um, the term is called fractal burning, which is basically like taking two leads, putting the solution down on the wood. And then when the leads hit the wood, you see the currents travel and it's burning a path into the wood. Um, so I'll sketch, I'll burn it um, to try to get some heavy burns in there, which gives a lot of detail and depth. And then I come back from there and apply the acrylics and the airbrush and the paints and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, it's a really unique process. Um, Does it give it a little two-dimensional <clears throat> look to it? Definitely. And um, it just 
kind of draws your eye in. It's really mm -hmm. weird how it all works. So I've kind of taken um, the abstractness of that and then I've tried to take more of like kind of the fine art and I've combined it the two. So it's a kind of a unique but different look. Um, but it works well with like waves and turtles and different things that have like, you know, a lot of texture to them. Right. So, um, and I'm still learning. So I'm still figuring out like, oh yeah, this type of wood burns differently. Um, this solution burns differently. So there's a lot of different variables and aspects to it. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of art is it can really just go any direction. Right. Kind of like a wave. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if, um, <clears throat> if anybody was interested in checking out your art and maybe even purchasing your art, where would they go? Um, there's a few businesses here that have some stuff. Um, Ashley's Espresso Parlor, um, Blue Moon, uh, Sea Green Gallery, Absolutely ODX, um, Duck Cottage has some stuff. But if you want to go on the website, it's just noahsnyderart.com. Uh, there's some things there. And then uh, and also I'm just posting stuff on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, there's a few different places you can check some stuff out. Excellent. Um, and you come from a, a line of artists, <laughs> I mm. guess, or at least at least a line of one. Uh, your dad uh, has his fingerprints all over this beach. He does, and his dad was a is that right? Really well known artist. So I'm like I'm like the third generation. <laughs> um, yeah, he was a great artist, and then my dad followed in his footsteps, and then you know I took a little detour, but ultimately like now I'm kind of. Right. back following my dad's footsteps just um but each one of us took it a little bit different path you pretty know cool. and um my dad's been pretty heavy into like the oils and the airbrush and all that kind of stuff and he's got some paintings that have never even seen the outside world Is that right? um so he's got a collection of some things in his house that um i'm like why don't you put these things out there and he's just like he's like i just i like them i want to keep them <laughs> right so um and that's the part of art sometimes it's hard to let if you really come up with a good original, it's it's hard to let it go. Right, yeah. right. It's you know it's just you talking about this. Just it's it's funny the comparison between surfing and art. They're both very subjective. You're you drawing know? lines and it's, in and different it's, ways. It, you're drawing lines, and there's uh, you you mentioned it before the aesthetics of you know what you do on a wave and the aesthetics of what you put on you know wood or, or canvas, canvas. You know, yeah. so um, very very interesting that you got similar similar tastes like that. Um, I have three siblings. They are all, they all been blessed with artistic ability. I got zero. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but I never got that uh, DNA. So yeah, uh, I can definitely appreciate it. Kind of like singing. Um, my wife <laughs> is an amazing singer. However, if I try to sing, like you want to run. They, they tell you to stop. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I did not, I admire those people like, uh, it's really cool and like like I love listening to my wife and she's amazing but I didn't get that gift <laughs> <laughs> so how much time are you devoting to your artwork right now uh, right now quite a bit um, it's really taken off in the last like two to three years um, more than I anticipated um, which is great and but it's just finding that time and um, I was able to find that time when COVID hit because that's kind of really what forced me into the art pretty much full time because the gym was like being shut down by the town and the state yeah. and the 
the government and it was just like, wow, like what am I going to do? And I had already started dabbling a little bit in that. And then it was like, I just had more time, you know? Yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, let's go for it. You know, like, and that passion was starting to grow in me where I was like, I want, I just felt like I wanted to do it more and more and more. Right. So, um, that was as bad as COVID was, there was good that came out of it. Yeah, I understand. And so, well, you mentioned the gym. Uh, tell me about the gym. Uh, Momentum Fitness and Momentum Jiu-Jitsu. Um, it's, we've basically combined them on our new location up here in Kitty Hawk. And, uh, is that by Daniel's Homeport? <clears throat> yeah, Daniel's Homeport. Gotcha. We're, we're tucked in right next between um, AT&T and Red's Army-Navy. So we're like right gotcha. in the center there. So, um, But yeah, it's been a great, um, it's been a hard road, a uh, hard business to, to navigate because gyms don't make a ton of money and COVID about took us out. Yeah. But with uh, the resurgence of the new location and now that we're kind of through COVID and everything, um, it looks like we're, we're good and we're going to make it. So we're pretty excited, but, um, yeah, the combination of the fitness and the jujitsu have been good. Um, our fitness program is really just about functional fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not about like being a professional bodybuilder or CrossFit or any of that stuff. We take some elements of each one of those that we feel is, you know, pretty, pretty safe and that people can do safely. Um, cause there's some benefits to it. Um, but ultimately we've kind of formed our own program, um, that we feel like, um, will benefit you in everyday life. Right. Right. And do you have a website for that? Yeah. So that would be momentumobx.com. Nice. Our jujitsu kids program has actually been like the big explosion. Is it really taking off? Yeah. And jujitsu is one of those things where it's just become real popular. You know, it's yeah. just like people are like going, hell, like I, I need something else in my life that, you know, number one, it's a good workout. But number two, it's like something that if you found yourself in an uncomfortable situation, whether somebody's harassing you or trying to rob you or you see something else going on, it can be something that can be a game changer as far as like eliminating a bad situation that could escalate to a really bad situation. Right. And it's not to say that you have anything a hundred percent if you know jujitsu but it's just this thing that gives you a little bit of confidence going like well if crap hits the fan yeah. like I, I do have a way to protect myself or protect somebody else right um and if that person doesn't know it you kind of know what you're looking for right i have heard a lot about it um there's a podcast called jocko podcast mm -hmm. and he's big into the jujitsu um it sounds great I wish I'd have found it a lot uh, much longer ago <laughs> because at 57, my body's ready to snap if you just blow on me. So um, I don't think I'm uh, a candidate, but uh, I really wish I'd had uh, come across that a while ago. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel the same. I didn't get into it till not too long ago. And I'm like, why didn't I get a hold of this sooner? Yeah. But um, the nice thing about it is, is like you can take it at your own pace. So like at our gym, if you come in, and you're like, hey, I only want to roll like 50% um, when it's time to do what we call live rolling. You can express that to your partner that you're with and they have to respect that. Right. So you can actually roll light. You can, we even got some people that come in and they just kind of like are there for the technicality of it and the drilling and all that kind of stuff because all that's done really light. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it gets to the live rolling, you have the option where you can 
go a little harder or you can kind of like stay light. It just really depends on what you're feeling that day. Is that right? So, so I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but uh, people on the Outer Banks have a lot of jobs. <laughs> and, it, and it's great to see that you're no different from anybody else. Um, you got a couple different things going on. Um, I have a few different things going on. Uh, you know, I, did I also see you're doing surf camps as well? I used to do this. Okay. Yeah. I, I think at one point I probably had like six jobs. <laughs> <Is that right>? <laughs> <laughs> then I realized, yeah, I can't keep doing this. I got to narrow it down and so right. begin to kind of like let some things go. But yeah, I used to do surf camps, um, private surf lessons. Used to do some tile work. Um, <laughs> used to do all kinds of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I kind of just now focus. It's just really the gym and the art. So, right. Um, but surfing is still a big passion. Every now and then, I still do private lessons. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a full time thing. Plus, it's hard here outside of the summer months. Yeah. Um, because you know, you need good conditions, especially for beginners. Yeah. Exactly. Just wrapping this up. Is there anything you could tell somebody who might want to come to the Outer Banks and surf, uh, or anybody who wants to just start to surf? What would you tell them? Um, I mean, basically, if you can do a burpee, <laughs> you can. <laughs> You're surf. qualified. You're qualified. It's really just it's getting from the plane position of laying down to your feet. If you can hop up or pop up, you should say, and do it fairly quickly. If you can do a burpee, you can surf. Right. Because once you're to your feet, it's just from there, it's just navigating the balance factor between, you know, your heels of your feet and your balls of your feet and kind of squatting down and all that kind of stuff. So if you can do a burpee, there's hope. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, you know, something if I can add on to that is, uh, you know, parents would ask me about surfing lessons or whatever. And I would say, you know, surfing lessons are nice. But you can learn to surf on your own. <laughs> it's not a, a total requirement. It might speed up the learning process, but you are most people are totally able to just learn it on their own with just a, uh, some pointers. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you don't need lessons for the rest of your life, for sure. Yeah. It's just getting the foundation. Then once you get the foundation, then it's really about just spending time in the water and really understanding the ocean, the different moods that the ocean presents, because the tide, the wind, yep. like everything is a factor. Yep. And one day the surf can be two feet and you can go out and catch a ton of waves. And then it can be two feet again, a different day, different, <laughs> different wind, different, whether it's choppy or it's yep. clean and you're struggling to catch waves. And it is literally the, probably one of the most humbling sports I've ever done <laughs> and been a part of. And, um, there's days I've gone out there and I felt like I've conquered the ocean. And then there's days where like, I felt like the ocean has conquered me and I'm just like looking up at the sky, like, what have I done? <laughs> Don't you feel like that's almost the, the, the opposite attitude you should have though, when you go surfing? I mean, I feel like it's working with mother nature, not against mother nature. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I feel like when it's smaller, you can work with mother nature easier. Once a surf gets like what I would say, like overhead, it's just be kind of becomes a different arena. Right. You're you in know, survival mode. <laughs> you start to just have to do things differently, ride different boards. Yeah. Um, and then when it gets like double overhead or triple overhead, or like you go to Hawaii, I mean, they're just riding different boards all in general. The ocean is moving differently. Yeah. On the days that we do like some of the jet ski stuff. It's just, it's crazy what goes on in the ocean. 
and some right. of the sites that you see and then some of the positions you end up in where you're like, you know, you're fighting to get back to the surface just to get a breath of air before the next wave <laughs> trying to clobber right. you. So um, there's a lot to it. So it's kind of like as the, the waves grow and expand, it's just like your knowledge and right. everything else right. has to expand. Right. With we're, we're not just having, it's not a hobby anymore. It's uh, you're in for keep, you're playing for keeps, so to speak. Yeah. So I'd say like underhead high, <laughs> maybe a little bit of overhead. It's, it's always fun. But I feel like that's in that comfortable fun zone. Right. And then when you start venturing into like two foot overhead, double overhead, triple overhead, it's like it becomes more serious to where like you've got to calculate your every move. Right. You know, because you know if you make one wrong move, it can be like taking five waves on the head, trying to scratch back to the surface to get that next breath. Um, or it could be that, you know, you get slammed on the sandbar. Because a lot of the waves we surf, you know, it, the Outer Banks is pretty shallow. Yeah. So it's coming out of this deep water. And that's what part of the reason why it makes the waves so fun and good. And it's an attraction for others. It's like, it's not this sandbar that's real shallow, way, way out there. And the waves just like kind of slowly come in. I mean, these waves are coming out of deep water and just unloading. So right. you got to be quick. You got to be experienced, especially when it gets big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Noah Snyder. You can find him at the Momentum Gym working out or putting you through a workout. You can also <laughs> find him in his studio making artwork. Uh, be sure to check out his uh, his uh, website called, what was it called again? Uh, NoahSnyderArt.com. Excellent. And when he's not doing that, you might find him out in the surf. Noah, thanks for coming out today. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, John. Big thanks to Noah Snyder for sitting down with me and recording this podcast today. He's definitely doing a lot of great things in this speech, and I hope you can support him through some of his work at Momentum Fitness or through Noah Snyder Art. Definitely check him out. If you haven't done so already, please leave a positive review on your favorite podcast player, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple. And don't forget, sign up for my emails. Uh, every Friday, I send out an email called Ready for an Outer Banks Weekend, where I share local news, some commentary, and what's happening. So... Sign up for it, and until next time, make it a good one.